others were Eutychus. Do you remember the young boy that fell out of the third story window? While he was he fell asleep listening to Paul preach. I'm glad you guys are on the pew. <laughs> Paul went down and brought him back to life. That's in Acts chapter 20. And then the third, why I say it's possible, is in Acts chapter 14, we read about Paul being stoned. And in the original language there, it is possible to understand that as Paul having died and coming back to life. But regardless, resurrection is the biggest story in the Bible. Jesus raised people from the dead. He himself rose from the dead. This is a big story. Number two, the second reason that we could get into here is it was Tabitha who was raised from the dead. It wasn't not an apostle. It wasn't an important face of the movement. You know, it could have been Stephen. Stephen would have been an excellent thing to do, right? He would have had a larger audience, more brand appeal, would have put people in church. But it was Tabitha. Number three, it is very significant that the first resurrection of the apostles performed was on a woman. Significant. Number four, this is a woman, the only woman in fact, in Acts, clearly identified as a disciple. We know from reading scripture carefully, Jesus had many, many women disciples. But she was identified as such, and if you read the story closely, she was no doubt a leader in the church at Joppa. So what does that mean for patriarchal theology? Number five, the mechanics of the miracle itself are profound. So Peter removed everyone away from the room. It wasn't a dog and pony show. And then he didn't even look at Tabitha. She knelt away from Tabitha and prayed to God. No doubt not even talking, listening. And I think, on a side note, this is probably one element of prayer that I suspect a lot of us in modern, postmodern, Western Christianity have sort of lost touch with. Prayer as listening to God, not as talking to God. Then he turns back to Tabitha and he simply says, get up. Number six, Peter remained in Joppa with Simon the Tanner. Now, this tanner, tanning profession at that time was looked down upon by society. And in fact, many people considered it unclean. So get this in your mind. Here is Peter. Right after he rose someone from the dead. The pinnacle of apostolic power. And what does he do? He goes off to some unclean home to lodge with someone who is marginalized, shunned, unpopular, the least of these type of person. I mean, what would you do if you just had the power to raise someone from the dead? What does the imitation of Christ look like? I think this is probably one of Saint. I uh, Saint. He's not a saint yet. He will be someday. I think this is probably one of Pope Francis's favorite passages. He seems to spend a lot of time in Tanner, Simon the Tanner type houses. And then seven. This one we could spend years on. After this miracle Peter performs, after, not before, after this miracle Peter performs, God teaches him and corrects a great untruth that Peter has been holding on to. After he is used by God to raise them from the dead. 
So what does that say about a theology that demands we get ourselves cleaned up and we know the right answers before God can use us? So much in this, isn't it? It's an incredible, incredible story. And when it started reading, how many of you were like, Tabitha, Tabitha, wait, is Tabitha in the Bible? Actually, if you did it, good for you. For me, I did. When I was studying the last few weeks for Mother's Day, I was like, I don't know if I would have answered that question if I was on a game show. Who was Tabitha? I would have been like, I have no idea. Someone in the Old Testament? No. Bam! The first resurrection the apostles performed. Shame on me, and I've read Acts plenty of times. So, we could explore this for a year, but today is Mother's Day, and so I want to look at the story from one particular perspective. The power and permanence of God's love as seen in and through a mother's love. The power and permanence of God's love as seen in and through a mother's love. Her name was Tabitha, in the Greek Dorcas it means gazelle. And while we are not given many details, it is easy to read between the lines and discover quite a bit of information about her life. And the biggest reveal of all is the gathering of widows in her home after she had passed. Luke tells us that they showed Peter the clothing that Tabitha had made for them. Okay, so, Joppa, is where she lived, was the main port of Israel. This is actually where the modern day Tel Aviv is. And Joppa was probably full of widows. Full of widows. Maritime trades were not so safe back then. Even today, in our very own young country, many of you might be familiar with this statue down in Gloucester. This is a statue that they put up in Gloucester that says, They that go down to the sea in ships, 1623 to 1923. 300 years, recent 300 years. And on the back side of the plaque, there are the names of 500 fishermen. But that's because you have to, you've got to be special to get on that plaque. If you go to Gloucester City Hall, in the same 300 years, there's a name of 5,000 people that died plying their trade on the seas. Now go back 2,000 years. How many widows do you think were in Joppa? Joppa was filled with widows, and the problem with widows in that day is very different than what widows are in our day. Widows in those days meant a life of poverty and hardship, and you became a social outcast. We've studied the raising of the widow's son in name that Jesus performed. That was not just about giving this mother her joy back. It was about bringing her back into society. She was an outcast and living as a beggar on the streets for 12 years since he died. Widows were shunned unless there was another man in the family who was willing to help out, which was very unusual. So Tabitha saw this need in her city, and as a disciple of Christ, she would not turn her back on it. She virtually became a mother to countless women and if those widows had children, to their children in need. Perhaps Tabitha is exactly whom James was thinking of when he wrote his most recognized statement, Faith without works is dead. Tabitha's life was indicative of her faith. Tabitha's faith was not some mental exercise in which she got an A plus on the doctrine test. Her faith was evident in the life she lived. Luke said she was a woman who was always doing good and helping the poor. She was basically the Mother Teresa of Joppa. Now I want to make a side note here. 
Since Jesus made it clear he came to serve the poor, and the disciples made it their mission as well, it probably makes sense that we check the authenticity of our own faith by examining our posture and our thoughts and our attitudes and our actions toward the poor around us. Which that's a tough one. Which is why so much of Christianity maybe has turned to just theological knowledge, right? Theological knowledge is easier. Either get an A on the test or don't, and you're okay, instead of having to worry, are we really living lives like Jesus Christ lived? Which is much more, according to Scripture, a much more bigger indication if we have faith or not, than whether or not we get an A plus on the doctrine test. So, off my soapbox, back to Mother's Day story. Notice how devastated the community was at the loss of Tabitha. This is how important she was to them. Devastated, this, this community was. You know, when I read this, I can't help but think of all the funerals I've been to during my life, and I've been to a lot. And how those for a mom always seem to be the most poignant, the most filled with a sense of profound loss. And, and those who are mourning a mom, whether a birth mom or a woman who had been like a mom, were always the most affected. And this is true at any age of life. That loss runs so, so deep. You know, I remember when my grandma passed away, my dad's mom. Now, here was my dad, a grown man, kids, grandkids of his own, a man who had virtually lived his entire adult life an ocean apart from his mom. My dad was about 22, so my, my, my parents are immigrants. Their folks came after World War II, and my grandparents went back to Scotland when my dad was 22. My grandmother died when my dad was 77. So for 50 plus years, he lived his life virtually without his mom, occasionally talking to her, and then later on in life, when, when they were older, he was retired, he, he visited maybe two or, two or three times before she passed away. So for all indication, this is a man who did not need his mom in any way. And yet when she died, boy, he might as well have been a young boy for the sadness and sorrow that overcame him for quite a while. I remember my mom calling me saying, your dad's pretty depressed right now. And it was all triggered by this loss of a mother. A mother's loss by death, by illness, by abandonment, by any reason is so profound for us. And here in Joppa, we see this clearly. Surely this is not the first person that's died in this Christian community. Surely not. But obviously she was a mom to so many that the response was such. Think about the response that was going on that the disciples there sent for Peter. They sent for Peter. Peter, the big kahuna. They sent for him. Don't let that detail slide by. Peter is, is in. Like, I, I know a lot of us evangelicals may call it, but Peter's in. Read the New Testament. He's at the top of every list. He is it. And they sent for him. This is a big deal that this woman passed away. Big deal. Now, I do not necessarily believe they expected or even thought he would come and bring her back to life. There had been no indication that this was the first resurrection any apostle ever performed. I think they needed his wisdom and words to comfort a desperate community. I mean, think about us. What kind of questions would have been raging through that community? Here is a woman that was so needed, doing so much, 
Oh God, how did you let her die? I know those questions. I live with a wife who just yesterday posted on Facebook 25 years since that. He said, I love you, Mom, but I know you haven't stopped loving me. Why does a mother die when someone's 22? I remember being really, really close to three boys that are here today when their dad passed away when they were little. Why does God do that? Think about the questions in this community. This woman was needed. She was life to so many. Why, God? And I think the disciples that were there said, Get Peter. This is a crisis of faith. We need Peter. And Peter came. To bring words and comfort to a desperate community. And in fact, I believe this was what the resurrection was really about. See, I'm not at all convinced Peter raised her because the community couldn't continue without her. The beauty of community, true community, is when there is a loss of someone who does so much, it means others step into that role and fill that gap. That's what community means. And we need to ask ourselves, are we doing that in community? Are we filling the gap in people's lives that are left by loss? Or are we too busy with our own lives? So Peter knew that would eventually happen in Joppa. Nor am I convinced he raised her because she was gone too soon, so to speak. We say that a lot. And he felt bad for her missing out on more life. He knew she was in a better place. I believe he raised her to first and foremost witness to the reality of resurrection. The singular hope we have as Christians. The first Easter was becoming a distant memory, remember? And no doubt, among the many rumors persistently arraigning the early movement of Jesus' followers, was that it never happened. That's one of the lies that kept going around. He never rose from the dead. And on top of that lie, well, if he rose from the dead, it was a singular event for Jesus only. It doesn't mean anything for the rest of them. Well, Peter raising Tabitha declared forcefully and clearly that resurrection was for all. And was the final reality. And see, that's the hope that resurrection gives. This was a community that more than at any other time needed this hope. Needed it. One of their great servant leaders had died. This mother to so many was gone. The community was in despair. <coughs> resurrection is the truest light that can dispel that darkness. Peter gave this to them. When we've lost someone, without resurrection hope, what, what do you do? <coughs> Peter gave this back to them. And furthermore, I think he raised Tabitha specifically to define for not only the community in Joppa, but for all of us who have come out, that the love of a mother is like God's love, permanent. I believe it was a lesson in flesh then and there that we can all embrace in spirit here and now. Just as Tabitha was not gone from the many she was among to, so a mother is never really gone. Love, which remember what Isaiah said, from a mother to a child is so often closest to God's love, is permanent. See, then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and he gave her to them, especially the widows. Here is your mom. Understand the mystery of resurrection. 
It means even when she does die, she still lives. Believe this. Hope in this. See, this is the power of love. Love never dies. As one author I read wrote, Tabitha was a symbol of resurrection life long before her first death because long before she died, she lived love, God's love for everyone. This is what resurrection hope does. It loves. And you know, when we're really struggling to love others, and let's face it, we all struggle to love others the way God wants us to. Think about resurrection. Think about resurrection. The hope resurrection fills us with will free us to love. Because why don't we love? Fear. Fear is the reason we don't love. We come up with other reasons. You know, well, they're different than us. And they don't deserve to be loved and blah, blah. We come up with all these reasons. But at the end of the day, we don't love like Christ because it's fear. What will it do to us? Self-preservation, the great sin. Right? Well, with resurrection hope, there's nothing to fear. Because even if the worst thing we worry about will happen to us in loving others, it's okay, we're going to rise again. See why, see why resurrection is the Christian story? It's powerful. The hope of resurrection fills us with the hope resurrection fills us with will free us to love. And so, for us today, on Mother's Day, what can the raising of Tabitha mean? Well, for those of us who have moms that love us, with a substantial portion of God's love. And we fear the day she will pass. We don't need to fear. For resurrection is real. The permanence of her love is real. Now, for those of us who had moms who loved us, but are now gone, we can be assured that their love, even better now, remains ever-present For those of us who may not have had the purest form of a mother's love and are caught in that strange and awkward place of frustration for how and where our mother's love for us lack, we can be assured that as time passes, the love that remains after they have gone on will become pure, will become more complete, will become the stuff of God's love. For those of us who don't have moms and never really did, we can be assured that God has always been and always will be there loving us with a mother's love. <coughs> Powerful and permanent and pure. For those of us who never had the chance or missed the chance to say things to our moms, to have that reconciliatory conversation, Oh, we can be assured we will have that chance. And for those of us here today who are moms, who love our children with as much of God's love that we allow through us, and we fear leaving our children, well, we can be assured that even after we are gone, our love will remain with them ever-present. And for those of us who are moms, but lose our way sometimes in the demands of life. 
get lost in the forest for all the trees and, and know we have maybe not loved as we wanted, we don't need to hold on to what we do wrong. We can focus on what we do right. And focus on what God's doing in us. Because we can be assured that God's love is bigger than ours and our own life will be redeemed and resurrected into His love and our children will know that finally. God loves our children even more than we ever could. And finally, to all of us, to all of us, moms or not, women or not, the story of Tabitha speaks one resounding and powerful message. The world is full of those who do not have love. I mean, isn't ultimately that what the metaphor of a widow is all about? A person who does not have love. And so we who are children of God can and must be mothers to the world around us. We must be Tabitha's. All of us. Serving the poor, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, visiting the sick, freeing the prisoner. And don't narrowly define those terms. Someone can have lots of money and still be very poor. Someone can have lots of food and be very hungry. Someone can wear the best clothes and still be very naked. Someone can be filled with health and still be very, very sick. And someone can be living free but still be a prisoner. Maybe it's someone sitting right next to you today. This world is filled with people who need love. And in a motherless world, we who are God's children are called to be a mother to them. Understand that is the end of our faith. The Bible is clear. How we live indicates our faith, not any test that you could take on paper. In fact, when you read the Gospels closely, it seems Jesus only defined one thing that we would be judged on. The parable of goats and sheep. What did you do with the least of these? really nothing there in the parable where he's going to have us fill out a test form to see if we get the questions right. <sighs> Tabitha had deep faith. I think we're all called to be Tabitha and live the reality of resurrection in such a way that even when we are gone, our love remains as others step into the gaps we leave behind just as we step into the gap others leave behind. See, really, the community in Joppa is our community. The reality of resurrection love reached out from a garden on that first Easter morning to the town surrounding Jerusalem, then on to Joppa and the rest of the world, and even across the ages right here to this little community of Canaan Community Church. And we are all called to be Tabitha, to carry on in resurrection love through the power and grace of God. Might God help us all. Let's stand and pray together and then we're going to sing our favorite Mother's Day song here at Cana. Sure you're all singing life and love.
all praise and thanks 